What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Week 17 DFS MVP. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my trusty co-host, Mr. John Daigle. Daigle, we uh, we got through Christmas. We are up against New Year's. We we're just talking about how uh, it's, it's the foggy week for everybody. So um, how are we feeling about this week? Everyone, including us, the world shut down in this one week between Christmas and New Year's Eve. And yet there is football like still happening. Championship games start sit still coming in, still happening. So it's just been it's been the weirdest week I can recall in some time. And it's definitely all because Christmas, it was a weird calendar year where it fell on a Saturday. Yeah, the combination of like a main slate on a Saturday and then two three game slates the last two weeks, like I'm all I'm all out of sorts. But uh, I, I think I could rein it in for another 48 hours, and uh, hopefully we um, end our New Year's festivities in time to submit lineups. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but for now, we have prep properly to uh, to get us to that point. Before we get into everything, reminder that the DFS price at 444 has dropped down to $14. It's our final price drop of the season. Um, I know it's really late in the season, but if you are playing DFS and you want to play uh, through Super Bowl, we have content projections and tools that go through Super Bowl. And uh, in, in the playoffs, there's no, there's not really a true main slate. Like they name a main slate, but there's a ton of slates play in playoffs. So there's still a ton of value on that 14 bucks, less than a millimaker maker buy-in to get access to everything. And hopefully a sneak preview uh, for your 2023 sub. But as we always do, decision point of the week. Um, I think there's probably a couple things that, that we're going to be swinging our decisions on. But what is the one big thing that you're looking at this week going into uh, the main slate? Honestly, just how we get unique and how we play Lions-Bears because that game in particular getting steamed for all the right reasons. Four points higher than the next closest total on the main slate. The Lions team total is higher than the Chiefs. They now have the highest team total on the entire board. And really, it's just the one that you can imagine both sides pushing back here. Like, I I would – I would love to show up, honestly, and talk about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and Vikings. And I do think that game is great for skinny stacking. Maybe you can squeeze Kirk Cousins in. But even we saw it on Sunday slate. Uh, how many times do we have to like pretend Aaron Rodgers can do something that he's just not doing this year? Like He hasn't reached 300 yards in the game. For that total and both team totals to continue increasing throughout the week leading up to Sunday morning and for Rodgers to only have 238 and a touchdown against the Titans. He only had 227 and two touchdowns. So I just don't think like he has a ceiling for me to care. And thus my pull for this slate is at quarterback at least is significantly shorter. And so I just look at that game and say, okay, uh, have to play someone here, I think. And how do I do it? Knowing I still want to have pieces of this game and not fade it entirely in any build. Yeah, um, this th- there's there's definitely some salary considerations, um, but I think there's so many salary combos this week that I, I don't know if there's like just one big decision salary based decision. So I do agree with you. It's like how much do we go all in on this Lions and Bears game? Is it a spot that we can be onslaughting? The thing that makes me a little nervous about onslaughts this week, um, I I don't think you're onslaughting any other game besides that game, but is just the fact that we've been playing these 10 game slates for what it feels like is months. It's really just been weeks, but shorter slates. We have a 13 game slate now. 
Um, and a lot of those games are sneaky good spots. So when, when the slates are that big, um, it, it's a little bit harder on a main slate to onslaught a game. And even if it gets there, be perfect enough, especially in large field stuff, because there's so many opportunities for players to hit really perfectly um, compared to even just three fewer games with 10 games. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to think through that. And I mean, if we look at the spots, I mean, Chiefs only have half a point um, team total below the Lions and they're way less popular, obviously way more expensive, harder to stack. But if you it, that also means you are more likely to hit perfect on the Chiefs than you are the Lions and you're paying for that. Um, Niners are in a really good spot against the Raiders defense. That's in shambles. Um, you mentioned the Green Bay Vikings game. Um, the I, I think the LA LA game Rams Rams Chargers. I think there's some sneaky Chargers um, upside over there. A lot of people are going to be playing the the, the Falcons, um, cheap Falcons players, um, Eagles. Uh, I think there's a lot of good spots this week. Um, I obviously haven't like built and definitely not locked yet, but um, I, I think I'm leaning towards not onslaughting that game. That's a good point about 13 game slate because we are coming off back to back weeks of 10 games, which has made our decisions tougher with less options, especially given weather. Um, yeah. And I think there are holes to poke in a lot of the team totals and even like chiefs Broncos. I don't necessarily think there is a single good option to run any Patrick Mahomes stacks back with uh, Jerry Judy would be the one of course, who continues getting it done weekly. But even in losing Greg Dulcich, like maybe everyone gets to Albert O at stone minimum all of a sudden. So that might be an option. Um, the 49ers, gosh, I just, I wonder if there's even need for Christian McCaffrey to play more than a half in that game uh, yeah, with, Jared, with Jared Stidham now under center. And Josh McDaniel also said that he, they want to use these next two games to take a step back for veterans to evaluate the team. And so we don't even know like, what the usage will be for Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs this week. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not touching any Raiders. That's crazy yeah. talk. Um, I'm actually glad you brought that up because there there is one game that um that that is kind of looming and it's the Jaguars, Texans. And the Jaguars have came out and said they're playing when they're playing all of their starters. But uh, this game is literally meaningless. Next week again, we saw it with the Titans last night um on Thursday night football. That game decides the division no matter what happens in this Jaguars-Texas game. So, I mean, are, are we factoring that in? Because Jaguars are going to be pretty popular this week. Are we factoring that into our decision at all? Um, should we give them, I guess the projections are going to be the projections, but maybe a, a slightly grayed down in tournaments because maybe their floor is lower than we think? Or so do you trust them? You, you say they're going to be popular. I actually don't think they'll be popular because I think they won't everyone- be as popular as the Lions. Sure, yeah. Um because I think everyone is taking that notion that they may get rested. Uh, but remember, like the Jaguars still can win this week, lose next week, and make the wild card. Uh, it ha- It's a very long shot. I believe the number is 6 to 9% chance. I've talked about this on other shows as well. But there is that chance. So they do actually not necessarily need to, but they are playing to win this game. And so I've always thought okay, the notion that, that- they're just going to bench players has always just been misplaced um, with everyone talking about it this week. So I do think like Travis Etienne's pretty sneaky. Evan Ingram, 
I actually don't know if he's going to be high rostered on DraftKings because he's falling in that weird salary zone, the Pat Fryermuth zone is what I call it, where it's like not low enough to be minimum and not high enough to reach George Kittle. And everyone forgets about 4,500. So like Ingram, I think is actually a tremendous play that I don't think will be as rostered as he should be. So there are key pieces like that here. Brandon Cooks is the one who's going to get steamed no matter what, because he's too cheap for a player who just had, you know, 70% of his team's targets. Yeah. If, um, uh, I haven't projected kind of high the Jaguars, but if I if I bump that down a little bit, or if I see across the industry that I'm uh, I'm too high on their ownership projection, then I might end up liking them a lot more than I do right now. Yeah, that's that's one um, that's another key matchup. Yes. All right, that's that's interesting. Um, as we have done every week, uh, getting ready for a, a little supplement to DFS, we've been tailing our uh, betting gurus over at 444. Make sure you're checking out all the content they're putting over there and kind of helping us guide our underdog card builder segment. Every week we throw uh, a couple uh, plays out on underdog. Hopefully you guys tail them um, and get yourself an opportunity to get a free 444 DFS subscription when you use the promo code 444. Um, let's bring that up and uh, see if there's any plays we like. I got a couple plays that I, I think are like, I think the lines are, are really soft, but uh, do you have any you want me to look up before we uh, get into those? No, let's go ahead and go with what you pulled from the discord. And then also quickly, I will say that getting the subs on sale right now, like basically if you can get a sub and then you get in the discord and you TJ, you already talked about the top of the show, how discounted all subs are like right now, Ryan Noonan, who are him and Connor Allen, who were stealing these props from the discord. Ryan Noonan is basically nothing's guaranteed. I understand that, but he's, he's like locking in you getting your money back. If you get a sub now, because he's literally 71% the last month on tackle props because he created a model. Yeah. I've we need seen to get it. those on underdog. He created a model. I've seen it. And I genuinely think he's the only person in the country. I'm not kidding. The only person in the country projecting tackles. And he's doing this by like understanding who is keeping score at each stadium for tackles because they give like an extra bump and assist at certain plate locations around the country. So I'm just saying, if you get the sub now and they are super cheap, that gives you access to the discord where Noonan gives these tackle props away. And I'm pretty sure he can get you your money back. Like, I don't want to speak for him, but he's doing so well right now that it's the time to get in. Yeah, that's uh, that. That's probably the best plug for um, our our betting uh, subscription right now He's because such a uh, like it's, it's unbelievable. We've been, <laughs> yeah, we've been uh, the the tackle prop joke has been going uh, going off in uh, the four for four slacks and, and discords, but they've been hitting like crazy. But we don't have tackle props here. Um, so the one that I um, that that really popped to me, I'm going off rogue off Noonan and 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 Connor Allen this week. But I mean. Jamal Williams at 49 and a half rushing yards seems really high. I know that game is supposed to have a lot of fireworks, but we saw DeAndre Swift has have his highest snap share of the season last week. I know they were down by a lot. Jamal hasn't gone over 37 in five weeks. Um, and there's just lots of ways to 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 attack the Bears. Um, I actually think it sets up more as a swift game, and then obviously all the pass catchers can really get there. And then they have Jared Goff's passing yardage prop all the way up at 281, which is a high prop. So if we think that they're going to do that much damage through the air, I have a hard time seeing Jamal getting uh, to 50 without obviously breaking one. But, um, I mean, am I off on thinking that that's a pretty high prop for what we've seen out of Jamal these last few weeks? 
It is a high number. I agree. I still think I will play him wherever I do not play sure. golf as leverage because he still has three touchdowns in his range of outcomes. But yes, yeah. I, I do understand that he's not necessarily a player we're expecting to explode. Uh, yeah, he also has three touchdowns on on twenty yards in his range of outcomes, right? That, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, he, yeah. he's Stephen yeah. Davis, and I think I just dated myself. <laughs> that's a that's a a throwback reference. Um, all right, uh, good. I'm glad you liked the, that one. The other one that I like um, that really stood out to me is Brandon Ayuk, uh, 53 and a half receiving yards. Um, I, I like that. Uh, I, I talked about this Raiders game that they are um, uh, basically a team that you can attack any which way. One of the only, one of three teams that are bottom ten in schedule just points to both uh, quarterbacks um, and running backs, um, and they're also bottom half of the league against wide receivers. Um, over the last couple of weeks with Purdy and Ayuk has tied for the team lead in target share, um, leads the team by a lot in uh, air yard share. Uh, and we almost saw him get there with a huge game last week, uh, like got tackled inside the five yard line. So Ayuk, I mean, he, he's not going to, he's probably not going to get you a, uh, nine catches for 90 yards, but um, I, I think four catches and breaking one of those off in this game. Uh, I like Ayuk a lot this week. I like it a lot as well. Ayuk uh, was in my skinny stacks last week, as we talked about, and he didn't scorch the earth with 84 receiving yards, but got there enough on DraftKings with the receptions. And as we are seeing, like Brock Purdy still engineering this offense quite successfully. Yeah. Um, any Is there a third leg you want me to throw in there, or are we rolling with two this week? I think we are rolling with two this week. How do we do last week? Uh, we, we whiffed pretty hard last week, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there, but, but, uh, we don't talk about it. So yes, no, uh, let's roll with two again. We are trying to get off the snide here. All right. Uh, as always, if you are watching, um, and you want to tail those, get those in as soon as possible because these lines do change pretty quickly. Um, if you're listening, we post the, the, uh, the picture on Twitter after, um, and hopefully they are still up if you uh, if you can get them. Um, but as always, if, if you're just a listener, you can always check the Twitter around this time of the day on Friday, and they'll be up as soon as possible. Uh, let's go on to uh, the best part of the show, what everybody's here for. The DFS plays of the week, our top values, our favorite plays at every single position. And um, we're just starting off um, with a bang. The we're, we're both talking about quarterbacks in the biggest game of the week, which should be the most fantasy-friendly game of the week. Uh, tell me what side you're talking about here. Justin Fields is projecting with the highest ceiling of any quarterback, Patrick Mahomes included, on this slate. And so that's where we start here. Everyone will likely try to go down for Jared Goff, and I absolutely support Jared Goff and his ceiling in this environment. But at the same time, we get recency bias effect for projecting Fields for somewhere 7 to 10% ownership. Don't think he's actually going to be that high, given his range of outcomes. Uh, the last time they played in Week 10, these two teams, Two teams. He rushed for, he had 13 carries, 147 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, we already talked about it earlier with this game having the highest total on the main slate by four whole points. And then the recency bias I speak on is, of course, Fields only rushing for 11 yards last week. But remember, he also got banged up, sprained ankle, polar conditions that even Josh Allen didn't do well for fantasy in. And Fields is still <clears throat> 196 yards shy of Lamar Jackson's single-season rushing record. So if he's out there, I would imagine he's at full health, and I'd imagine they are going for it. So, yes, Fields is an amazing spend-up play this week. 
Yeah, um, I mean, all, all of the reasons that you talked about why why this game environment is great. Um, I, I wrote Jared Goff down just because I mean it, it's is like the the quote unquote obvious play. He is the cash game quarterback, um, especially on on DraftKings. Uh, he this is a spot where at Detroit in home games for the Lions, averaging fifty nine point four uh, combined points over the last six weeks. Detroit's first in. Passing EPA, eighth and passing rate over expectation. So all of the upside is going to Goff in this one. Chicago is one of those three teams that uh, are bottom 10 in schedule, just points allowed to both quarterbacks and running backs. So there's lots of ways to attack them. But Detroit has really uh, been letting Goff uh, play well lately uh, with, with every everything they're surrounding him with. Um, we have him as a top three value on both sides. He's the top value on DraftKings. And I mean, this is bringing up Jared Goff is just kind of uh, all encompassing saying that these, all, all of his main pass catchers and starters in this game are really good plays on the Detroit side. Um, even a Monroe St. Brown, you're getting him at a, I think it's on, on DK. I think it's an $1,800 discount to Justin Jefferson. I, and I don't think they're projecting that far apart. Uh, DJ shark is cash viable in this game. Uh, Deandre Swift has a ton of upside with his pass catching. Um, th this is a, a smash spot for the lions. Uh, I, I know we talked about like how how nervous I'm be about onslaughting it in large field stuff just because you have to be so perfect. But I, I think if you're playing something that's like less than 200 people uh, in a tournament, I think you could definitely make the case that, I mean, having four lines on your roster isn't crazy this week. And you can take a stand in that Jamal Williams, of course, would be leverage off of Jared Goff mm -hmm. in the passing game since. Oh, for sure. Yeah, since yeah. Jamal two catches in his last eight games. It's like absurd how non-usage, how much, how little usage he has in the passing game whatsoever. So there are ways to do that. <clears throat> I think one of the more interesting conversations is how and if even to stack Justin Fields, if you play him as well, because people yeah. will naturally get to Cole. Yeah, yeah. And see, that's the thing. People logically get to Cole Komet. Uh, and that makes sense because Cole Komet is literally a touchdown or bust player. His five touchdowns this year came in that three-game stretch where even in redraft leagues, we just talked about to sell him high because it, like his usage, his volume just isn't there. He was only scoring touchdowns. That's it. So that's the way to do it, especially because it looks like Chase Claypool is out again this week. So, yeah, it, it's I'm still trying to figure it out. Khalil Herbert returning uh, got it turned it back into a timeshare last week too. So you lose confidence in the running backs too. So I'm still toying around with it. Is there is there a uh, pass catcher that isn't St. Brown or Chark that we can, I mean, obviously, if you're playing large field stuff, you can throw any dart you want. If anybody's getting any significant steps, Zilstra's not throw, scoring three again. But is there is, is there a um, a favorite dart throw after those two on on Detroit's pass catching side? I honestly don't think there is like you can even say Zilstra, at least there was the uh, the routes run in favor over the other two, James Mitchell and Garrett Griffin, but, and Brock Wright. But even then, like, Zilstra was still under a route on 50% of drop back. So, like, it wasn't necessarily an increase for him, uh, just a little more than the others. And then Jameson Williams, they're just being smart with him. Like, he doesn't, maybe he catches one long one, but he continues not running around on even 20% of drop backs now. I can't imagine they'll use him for this one because this, you know, they still have the playoff chances, but, they're just not increasing them and, and rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, when we have spots like this, um, sometimes you're just not going to find data to, to justify a play, but if other people are going to be onslaughting this game and you need to get unique, I mean, sometimes you just have to literally just throw a dart at whoever is on the field. Um, so uh, if, if you're playing 
the melee maker and and you want to onslaught this game, I, I think you kind of have to do something crazy like that. Uh, let's move on to running backs because I actually think this is one of the more interesting running back weeks uh, because of what I said. There are a, a couple different salary combos this week with um, with the uh, Antonio Gibson uh, being out designation. Um, but uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Tell me what uh, pay down running back you like. I do think it's a very interesting pool for running backs this week. And and honestly, the way it's looking, maybe even spinning up for Christian McCaffrey is the way to barbell this thing because we're getting a lot of running backs in the 5K range. But I'll start with the most obvious one, Tyler Algier. And maybe he loses some shine since everyone will likely go to Brian Robinson instead. And I'm hoping that's the case because Algier now, remember, without Caleb Hundley injured, previously did not handle more than 11 touches in any game um, unless it's the three that Cordero Patterson missed earlier this year. But now the past two weeks with Huntley out for the season, put on IR, and it's just become a two-headed backfield. They've not only been decreasing Cordero Patterson snaps, they're just giving Tyler Algier everything. He's been a top 12 running back in back-to-back weeks, even on DraftKings and FanDuel. He's had 17 to 22 touches in that time, season high, 61% of the team's backfield touches this past week. And the Falcons are three-point favorites indoors. So game script necessarily steps, stands up for him as well. We know it's uh, David Blau under center. So we think it's going to be favorable for the Falcons, as favorable as it gets anyways. So, yeah, it's everything kind of meshes well for Tyler Algier this week. Yeah, I was ready to fire up um, some contrarian Cardinals uh, pass catchers with Colt McCoy, but uh, RIP to that idea. And I do agree that I, I think I, if we're talking about the two cheap running backs or the two obvious cheap running backs, Algier and Robinson, I, I think I do like Algier more, uh, slightly more than Robinson. They're both projecting really well right now. Robinson has that great matchup um, against uh, Cleveland, but Arizona is just uh, as bad, if not worse. Um, than, than Cleveland in rush defense, overall defense, really. Uh, I put Ramondre Stevenson, 7,600. He is popping as a top two value, the best value after Christian McCaffrey on both sides of four for four. Um, I, I don't know if he's one of my slam dunks. I don't even know if he makes it in my cash lineup, but I think it's a really interesting conversation point, and I want to talk to you about it because uh, he did have a down game last week, but he still played 90% of the snaps. Miami's, uh, you know, we, we think about like Miami's a team you could pass on over the last six weeks. Their rush EPA allowed per play is actually uh, worse than their pass EPA per play, uh, per, per play over the last six weeks. But I, I, I think the, for, for cash consideration, but just as a, a thought exercise, a, ter- a value exercise, I think cash games, at least on DraftKings, where, where everything's a little more strict, um, and, and this could obviously change by Sunday. I think the 2v2 is going to come down to, do you play two cheap running backs with Christian McCaffrey and go down to Amon Ra and, and, and get Justin Jefferson in there with um, Christian McCaffrey? Or do you slide in a Ramondre or a Travis Etienne, um, get off one of the cheap running backs and go down to an Amon Ra St. Brown? So I guess it's like, the 2v2 would be like Brian Robinson and Justin Jefferson or Ramondre and Amonra. That's a good... Just from a straight value standpoint. Question. It's really close, right? Yeah, and I, I prefer the Jefferson side of it. With so, with the with the caveat being that we're assuming Jared Goff is just locked in there. I still so prefer... We're already, getting, we're already kind of getting a hedge on Amon Ra points, assuming he doesn't go nuclear. I do still prefer the Jefferson side of it uh, because, mm-hmm. yes, I, I agree. Ramondre is an amazing play, but he's also you know, capable of a game like last week given 
the yeah. Patriots offense. So I think he showed you his range of outcomes, thus isn't a cash game lock. Whereas at least we know Brian Robinson, barring injury, will get the touches. Like Taylor Heineke was averaging nine yards per attempt last week. They still kept hammering Robinson on early downs against the Niners, despite the fact the Niners haven't allowed a, a single player to rush for 60 yards all this year. It was amazing. They still gave him 22 carries. Um, but yes, I, I like Ramondre for tournaments for sure. 15 of 18 backfield touches last week. And then again, recency bias and that he was disgusting last week. I mean, that performance was bad. Uh, but again, all the touches, all the snaps. Damian Harris looks like he's training towards out again. If Harris gets ruled active, we can get off them. Otherwise, I do think it's going to be a right, situation right. that goes into Sunday morning, and thus Ramondre will be forgotten about for tournaments, unless he becomes, yeah, a, a, a optimal cash game play. So I do like Ramondre for tournaments for sure. I think that game actually has some s- sneaky upside in it. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to end up having a pretty hard time, um, regardless of the the Jefferson and uh, St. Brown comparison, fading two sub 5500 running backs in such good matchups. Uh, but but it's 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 a tough decision. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Uh, let's move on to wide receiver because I actually think that this is the expensive guy that kind of falls by the wayside this week. And I'm interested what you have to say about it. Cause I haven't thought too much about this game outside of the player I just talked about. Yeah. And we know for the dolphins that ownership or that target shares still stay condensed there. It is literally Tyreek Hill seeing 31% of the team's targets, Jalen Waddle seeing 21%. And the next closest on the team is Trent Sherfield with 9%. The targets only go to two players. And Tyreek Hill is getting lost in all the shuffle because it's Jalen Waddle who has that 67 and 84 yard touchdown the past two weeks, just exploded for a long touchdown. Meanwhile, Hill in that span has a 35% target share and leads the team in end zone targets. So like Tyreek Hill is still an amazing play whose ceiling can easily match or top Justin Jefferson's, and yet no one's talking about it. I will say also, uh, game plans could change here, but whenever the Patriots, in week one at least, and they had their full helping of corners, so I think no matter what, micro-analysis, matchup-based analysis for this game matches well for Tyreek Hill, but in week one, the Patriots played zone defense on 80% of their snaps against the Dolphins, and... Tyreek Hill actually leads the league in yards per route run against zone coverage, 3.9 this year. And if they don't do that because they don't have healthy corners, this was another argument for Joe Burrow, which we did keep for the Discord last week because I was so high on the Bengals' offense in that game. Um, If they go with just like their top two cornerbacks missing again, then of course it's Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell against the Patriots' third and fourth string corners. So either way, I think it's actually a great matchup here for Tyreek Hill. Yeah, anytime you and and I'm like Tyreek's not going to be single digits, so because De- Devontae will be, I, I guess, if we're talking about expensive receivers, Devontae will be the cheap one. But that's I, I think we're kind of scratching Raiders off. Like Tyreek will probably come in like maybe around ten percent. But anytime you could get that elite um, talent wide receiver, that obviously Tyreek has as much, if not more, upside on a weekly basis as any player in the game. Um, coming in way less owned than than the guys like Je- Jefferson and especially Amonra. Um, it, it's a really good spot. And I, I wanted to specifically talk about Justin Jefferson because he is so expensive. 9,200 Fandle, 9,500 on DK, which is crazy high. Um, but but I, I do think that is a pretty good game environment for both sides, even though, um, you know, Vikings on the road, it hasn't been um, as fruitful for fantasy. They, they are still, uh, can be very efficient passing game and can bring 
other teams up to their high pace level. And even with his high salary, we have Justin Jefferson because of all those factors uh, projected as the best wide receiver value on both sides. So as I mentioned, if we're getting those two cheap running backs in cash games, I do think that they're, um, you should probably be able to get Justin Jefferson if you want him instead of a Monroe, even though he is so much more expensive. But in tournaments, I think he's especially interesting because him and on on Fandle, he's the top value. You could fit him in with CMC basically on Fandle, even in tournaments. On DraftKings, um, I, I don't think we're playing two chalk running backs together, so it's going to be hard to get uh, Jefferson and CMC together. The interesting thing is, they're both late start times. You've got a late swap option with those games and with them being similar in salary, CMC is probably going to be like in that 25 percentage range where Jefferson might be in that 15 percentage range. So you're getting um, a little bit of a, a leverage salary play there uh, from Justin Jefferson, who does lead all players in expected fantasy points over the last month. Um, he's also record chasing Vikings record chasing, maybe some single season record chasing. And I don't know what the hell Jair Alexander was thinking, but he called out Justin Jefferson and said his first game was a fluke. And I'm not one for narratives, but I mean, you don't call out the best receiver in the league. And if we want to keep adding ands to this, uh, the Vikings know they can't run the ball. Like, yes, the Packers will allow yeah, you to true. run. The Vikings cannot run the ball. This is five games in a row that Dalvin Cook has averaged three and a half yards per carry. We talked about that on Move the Line Wednesday. And because of that, the last three games, Kirk Cousins has averaged 48 pass attempts per game. So we get the volume in favor of Justin Jefferson, too. Like, it's it's a week, honestly, where I even began trying to make sure I can get up to him because it just seems like a nuclear spot for him. That's That's my second favorite game on the entire slate. Jair is actually one of my favorite DBs in the league. Uh, I just like, I think he's, he's underrated and I, I just like his swag, but uh, he also, it's uh, not, I, I don't know. It's crazy to say just, I don't know. You're he is, he is amazing. Yes. But also then you see, like you see him and his look and you watch his film and then you hear his voice. And I don't know if yeah. you've heard him talk, but like he's oh, yeah. like, Patrick well, yeah, Mahomes. I heard him. I heard him call out Justin Jefferson. Yeah, That's of course. Yeah. Like Patrick Mahomes. It's like, no, like you shouldn't sound like that. That can't be real. Yeah. But yes, Jair that's Alexander hilarious. obviously that's shut hilarious. down. Yeah, um, and he's about yeah, to get. So, uh, he's about to get fight. Yeah, we're riding that narrative street uh, all all the way home this week. Uh, I, I you got another one that I really like here. Um, I actually do like this game, but um, haven't gone this far deep on the roster yet. And I do think there are skinny stacking options across the board for Bucks. Panthers. I think you can play Panthers defense as well. Tom Brady has nine turnovers in his yeah, last yeah. four games. He's Definitely. been miserable. Um, and now we're seeing that the Bucks also are going to be missing starting linebacker Carl Nassib and then uh, Carlton Davis starting cornerback, both out for this game as well. So sneaky potential for skinny stacks here. Uh, I, I've gone as deep as maybe even toying around with some Chuba Hubbard in this game. Deontay Foreman pretty cheap across sites despite being touchdown or bust option. But Russell Gage, I'm pretty confident in. Uh, still being used as the team's number three receiver overall the past two weeks. And that's important because in his last three games, uh, he's actually, no, the past two games, what I mentioned, he's actually tied with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin for the team lead in targets. 18, 20% target share has as many or has more red zone and end zone targets than both in that span. So very high on Russell Gage as a volume-based cheap option on both sides. Yeah, I'm going back to that uh uh, that game that we talked about Arizona and um, Atlanta and there's a couple ways to save salary this week um, besides Tyler Algier I, I don't know like what 
how Drake London's salary is so low after the volume he's been getting, but um, at 6,700 on FanDuel and 4,900 on DraftKings, after what we've seen with him uh, from from Desmond Ritter. Now, I know a Ritter target isn't um, as good as a target from a lot of other NFL-level quarterbacks, at least at this point, but 20 targets in two games, 35.7 target share over the past two weeks. That leads the league. Um, he, even though he has put up good games, Drake London has like, I, I think at 12 and 14 or something like that. Um, he's still popping in our expected fantasy points model that, uh, Pat James writes up every week for, for the DFS side of things. So basically what that's saying is like, he's having good games and he's getting so much work that he should be having like explosion games. So this could be an explosion game for him. Assuming Ritter could be, um, you know, serviceable, which I, I think he will be this week against this defense. Arizona is one of the worst all around defenses, as we've already mentioned. Um, so London is, is in a smash spot and, uh, I don't, I don't know. His salary is just, um, crazy low. When I saw it, I was, I was amazed that it was that low. I agree. Um, do you think he'll be, over 10% or do you think he'll get lost a little bit? Yeah. So the weird thing about wide receiver um, ownership this week is I, I don't have like crazy high projections on um, running backs, but I couldn't find like where the wide receiver ownership is going. So right now the cumulative wide receiver ownership on, on both, well, it's always long Fandle. It's lower than usual on DraftKings, And so guys like London are still getting a lot of the ownership. Like there just aren't a lot of, even those 13 games, there just aren't a, a lot of like second and definitely not third pass catchers that are really getting good ownership. And I, I think it's kind of a function of the fact that like, everybody's just kind of the only onslaught spot is, is Detroit Chicago. And we don't even like Chicago's wide receivers. Um, so guys like London, I think are going to be really, really popular. Like um, I, this, this year, more than any year, I probably ever, we've seen guys that are, we think of, we look at as 15% guys and uh, we, we take the blindfold off when lineup locks and they're 27, 28. And I think that could be what we see with London this week. And I do have a much larger uh, wide receiver pool. I think there are a lot of cheap options this week, actually, if we're trying to stuff some players. So, yeah, there's no need to follow chalk around. Um, if London comes in like that, that's a pretty good value. Yeah, yeah, but he will. He should make it into cash lineups. I have a lineup where, I, you know, Robinson, Algier, London still fits with J. Jeff and McCaffrey, I think, on DK. Um, that always works on FanDuel. So, I, you know, I just don't always mention it as much. Um, but yeah, for sure. Um, let's move on to tight end because I think the, I think the like obvious tight end player pool is like three players. And then after that, um, I think you can really throw a lot of darts and you have um, one that I think definitely fits that mold um, that's going to save you salary and be relatively, actually, really loaned. And we saw it last week that even on the opening drive, with Kylan Granson ruled out for the second time this year. And Granson has already been ruled out ahead of week 17. But on the opening drive, Jelani Woods had three catches. Uh, he looks, gosh, he looks like Calvin Johnson too when he's out there. It's wild how, it's wild how yeah. big he is compared to linebackers. Yeah. And he, he did register the Combine's um, highest athletic score for a tight end in history. So like we know he's a freak athlete. But for some reason, when Granson's in, they literally don't use him at all. Um, 5% target share. But the two games now we've seen where he's out, he's run around on 70% of dropbacks, has a 21.8% target share, and his, his box score is 8 for 98 receiving yards and 3 for 43 this past week. So he is sitting here at minimum 
uh, basically on both sides as like basically a wide receiver who's running routes and getting targets. And we know he's just going to be locked into a lot of man coverage since Wink Martindale leaves everyone on an island with blitzes. So if Nick Foles gets the ball out, Nick Foles can have like 200 receiving yards. Like Jelani Woods easily can reach 80 to 100 here. So, yeah, I like Jelani Woods quite a lot. Yeah, there's been a um, a 20-year discussion happening about what it would look like if uh, LeBron James played in the NFL. It's Jelani Woods. That's that's what it would look like. It absolutely is, yeah. Yeah. Six seven two seven five and a monster. Uh, I actually, that's that's actually a really fun fun call because um, nobody is playing any Indianapolis players this week. Yeah, I'm I should have. Damn it, I should have saved that for the that. Discord. <laughs> Drake, that um, Gi- Giants twenty seventh in schedule, just fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Um, if if Jel- if Jelani Woods scores and gets you you forty yards, you're absolutely dancing um evan ingram 5800 uh fandle 4400 DraftKings at houston as we talked about on the top top of the show um you made the case for why we should believe the jaguars and that they will be playing um to win this game and, and continue to hit on all cylinders especially in their passing game that has benefited evan ingram uh quite a bit with his seven targets in four straight games the number one tight end i believe over the last three weeks um jacksonville's fourth in pass epa per play in the last six weeks ninth in passing rate over expectation houston bottom half of the league and schedule is just finished points allowed to tight ends we have evan Evan Ingram as our top value on DraftKings, top three value on FanDuel. Um, when I said earlier, I, I think the Jaguars will be popular. Like I think Evan Ingram will be the non-Kelsey tight end that everybody plays. Um, I think ETN will get like moderate moderate ownership. I, it's it's going to be lower now because the cheap running backs are going to take um, more than we expected. Uh, and then the pass catcher should get moderate ownership too. So no, no one's going to be like mega chalk, but if it is, I think it might be Ingram. Okay. Uh, that's interesting again because of where he fits on builds. I, th- I think maybe FanDuel makes a lot more sense, but I agree. I the think cheap running backs just let it. The, the cheap running backs make it a little bit easier. That forty four hundred okay. range is always really tricky when we don't have sub six k running backs on the slate. But um, there's a lot. It's 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 weird because like this is a really fun slate because salaries aren't wide open, but there is flexibility. Um, there's not like an obvious build which um. I, I like slates like that. It's fun. And I guess I just haven't gotten there or I didn't, I haven't seen it so far because every time I start with like the cheap running backs, I go immediately up to Jefferson and Tyree kill yeah. um, rather than like even worrying about tight ends. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's why. So yeah, that makes sense. That may, yeah. Yeah. That if you're, yeah, that's true. If you're doubling those expensive wide receivers, it's definitely different. They're, they're um, both in awesome spots. Yeah, there's a lot of um, sub uh, 3K defenses that are viable, sub like 4,100, 4,000 on FanDuel defenses that are viable, which we haven't had a lot this year. We had it last week. We have it again this week. Um, One of the plays I think is actually a tremendous leverage spot because big home favorites, usually good defenses, scoring teams, even if the real defense isn't good. And I cannot take full credit for this one because I was listening to – uh, live the stream. Our good buddies JJ Zacharyson and Denny Carter, and um, earlier JJ and Dennis all earlier this week, and um, just because I was toying around with like defenses and whatnot, and then um, I was looking at this game, and JJ actually pointed it out on that podcast, and I had, I had to go back and check this out. That for the last two months in a row, I think he had a stat that even went longer, but I know for a fact the last two months in a row, the bear whoever has played the Bears 
has been a top 12 defense in fantasy. That's an amazing stat. So basically the same time since week nine, since they traded Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, and they have seeded like they've been one of the league's worst defenses in allowing a league high 32 and a half points per game in that time. Like the volume and how poor they've been has thus allowed the opposing defense to also get there every single week. And so Lions, Jamal Williams, Jared Goff stacks with Lions defense and no Bears run back. I think they're live this week. Oh, yeah, they're absolutely live. And like I, I have no problem. When we have home favorites by almost a touchdown and they're getting no ownership, like I almost don't even need to look at like stats or matchups. Like it's almost a blind play for me because like even if the game does pace up, you get defensive fantasy scoring in games that are high scoring. Sometimes they're the catalyst for the high score, whether it be a pick six or a special team score or something like that. Um, so I think lines are one of the best leverage plays of the week. Um, I don't, even if you don't play one, like you could play a skill position player with them. You're obviously, you're probably not going to onslaught, um, but you could onslaught and include the defense too. Um, so I, I love <clears throat> the lines as a differentiator or as a leverage play. Um, you mentioned briefly David Blau week. The Falcons get the honor of playing against David Blau. Falcons are 3,900 on Fanduel, 2,700 on DK. Uh, David Blau has started five games. He's won zero of them. He's completed 54% of his passes. He has seven interceptions to four touchdowns and 5.6 yards per attempt in his 184 career starts. Um, this could be ugly. It probably will be ugly, even though... James Conner, like against the Bucks, is still an, an amazing leverage play because they are just running him yeah. into the ground. Yeah, what well, I mean is what I don't know what if there's a prop on it, but what are the chances that Blau even reaches 20 um pass attempts? Oh, I mean if they let I mean, McSorley, if they're just getting smoked, right? That's the yeah. only way. If they let McSorley just rear back, then I mean they'll probably <laughs> they'll probably still I guess that's that's a good point. The offense doesn't change. You just find the slot receiver and throw it to him. That's literally the Kingsbury offense. And we're not even going to get Dorch since we know Marquise Brown was uh, limited because he used his cell phone in a meeting. That's the only reason why. Yeah. (laughs) Um, the, the, this is the most painful I've said it all year discord show this Sunday at seven 45 AM Eastern time, new year's day. Um, I don't know what kind of shape we'll be in, but we will Wait, be Wait, what? There. Hold on. What do we have to do? What are you telling me? To do? <laughs> Our Discord you, show. <laughs> you did not you did not tell me. Wait, no, 10 1045. 10:45 your time, 7:45 my time. Oh, you I'm got just, you got time. You talked to you're, Pacific. You're, you're, you're I was like, the, "Oh, you're living the dream over there. This is the one downside of, of West Coast." Um, so I, you'll be in better shape than me, but we'll be there. We'll we're going to make it happen. Um, luckily it's not on camera. Uh, but if you haven't signed up yet for that, it's only 14 bucks. So, I mean, what better time to sign up for the DFS plan and get access to our discord show than on new year's morning, us coming off of our celebrations. What can go wrong? If you, uh, if you don't want to sign up for 14 bucks, you can just go deposit on underdog four for four.com slash underdog use promo code four for four and you sign up with your new underdog account, and that'll get you a free DFS subscription plus a 100% match up to $100. If you're listening, please rate and review uh, on whatever platform you're listening to. If you're watching, please like the video. Please subscribe to the channel. Follow. Don't follow any of us on um, Twitter this week. I want you guys to go follow 444 underscore Josh. Um, After uh, 14 years of running 
four for four and turning it into what it is today and giving more people than you know in the industry, literally life-changing jobs. Um, Josh is stepping down from his full-time role as the product owner of four for four. He still will be um, in a small uh, role with us and with um, Betsburts Group as a consultant. But um, if you've ever listened to this podcast or you've even read a single article on 444, uh, do me a favor, go over to Josh's Twitter and give him a thank you. Uh, we couldn't have done this without him. And uh, it's um, one hell of a way to, to send off uh, 2022. So uh, go thank him because uh, he means a lot to a lot of people and we appreciate the hell out of him. He's being Andrew Luck now and he's going away. And I guarantee you, just like Luck, like he's going to be on a ship taking care of his children. Like he's going to be the type of person that when he walks away, literally walks away and you never hear from him, which is the yeah, life you think, should be living. Yeah, I, th I think he's going to um, he, he's the type of guy, whatever projects he goes after, he'll probably be able to afford some ships. So yes. uh, <laughs> uh, cheers to Josh Moore. Um, please go give him a thank you if you've ever loved anything of 444. Um, end of an era, but start of an exciting new chapter for all of us. Uh, so thank you, Josh. Thank you to the listeners. Um, happy New Year. Stay safe out there. And we'll talk to you guys on Sunday morning.